0: Welcome into District 1 Sports, Mike and Micah back with you for a Giants preview. Yes, it is a Tuesday, but the Washington football is facing off against the New York Giants on Thursday night football primetime. That's fun. Nothing bad has ever happened to Washington on primetime, but we'll get into the game a little bit, Micah. The last time we talked, we obviously had our instant reaction to the Washington football team losing to the Los Angeles Chargers. It wasn't a great game. We talked about the defense. We talked about the offense. We talked about the mistakes. Now that we've had our second, our third, our fourth watch through the game, we've marinated with the game for now two days, seen some more stats, seen some things come out from the game. Do you have any different thoughts or anything you want to add to
1: what you saw from that first watch? So here's a much more measured take by me Um As you mentioned, we had instant reactions on Sunday, feeling the loss, feeling a little bit disappointed in how our team came out. But after a couple days, I don't feel as bad as I did on Sunday after, as you mentioned, sitting with it, looking at what else, you know, stats came from it, looking at the game in, in a full scope instead of just in a vacuum, you know. One of the biggest things that I am okay with and it's kind of simple to say, but we just got outplayed, man. The charges came. They executed their plan better. They converted when they needed to. And even though they played better, there were times where the Washington football team had clear chances to win. I don't think the loss on the Washington football side was solely on one person. I think it was a lot of um, inconsistent effort from guys who needed to have consistent effort. And I think there are things that can be cleaned up, whether it's scheme, whether it's effort, and whether it's just – your playmakers being able to make plays. I do think that it wasn't necessarily the worst way to start the season. Yes, we did mention that. There is a kind of a doomsday scenario here if they do go 0 and 2, but I do think there is a lot of things to take away from that they should be able to improve on, on Thursday. One of the biggest things for me, um just off the top, is I don't think that the our, you know, Washington's D-line is going to be as stagnant as it was. I think that you're going to see Chase Young have a great game. Another thing that immediately comes to mind is I don't think you get some of the um, offensive or defensive inconsistencies for that. I do think that with this week one, kind of moving quickly into a week two, I think you're going to uh, have the sense of urgency from the entire team because it seems like the you know the energy around the building and what's really going on around this franchise is we're already in a must win scenario. So if you're in a must win scenario and this is what you know you trained your guys for and coached your guys for, I think you'll see. way more urgent um team and I think you'll have a better output from guys you need outputs from but in a whole you know I'm not necessarily mad about this and I mean you know we can go into all we want but I mean the Chargers played a hell of a football game Justin Herbert is one of the most gifted passers Keenan Allen is one of the best route runners and they just took advantage of sloppy defense and sloppy play on both sides of the ball but I do think Washington is out here and there's a way where Washington can learn from this uh, loss I should say turn it around to the Giants and get a win. And then you see this season even out and they start to really play football. But I'm not as mad and upset as I was. More so, I'm just looking for them to improve. Because if they do improve, then I think we'll be fine. I like this. We are going the complete opposite direction. As I rewatched the
0: game over and over, I became more and more upset. Just based off the fact that, first, the game was very winnable and just stupid things that we did to ourselves cost us the game. Antonio Gibson, great game. And I said it in the uh, reaction podcast. Looking back at it, he's really going to be a good running back. He had a couple of drops, and obviously the big fumble caused everything to flip on its head. But besides that, man, was he really special. But if he doesn't fumble, you have a real shot of winning that game. Um, But the defense, as I watched the defense, it just got worse and worse for me. John Bostic, um, we talked about this over text, Micah. There were a couple of plays there. It's just like, what was he doing? What was he thinking? Was he trying to make a play? Was he trying to... Was he staying out of what he was supposed to do? Like, is was this Jack Del Rio's fault? We just started questioning so much because he seemed so far out of position. Jamin Davis. All the rookies, I'm giving them a pass for Game 1 because it's your first game in the NFL. Nobody's going to have a Game 1 like Chase Young where you could have a sack and a half and you're dominating uh, Eagles offensive line. Like, Not everybody can do that. But on the other hand, I do think that this offense is going to need some time. And now, especially with Taylor Heineke, it's going to need more time because he didn't get really any of the one reps throughout the offseason. I'm more measured with the offensive side of the ball because I do think they did some good things, but drives just stalled. Um, The face mask that was missed by Heineke. There was a field goal that they got in field goal range, and Hopkins wasn't able to convert on that. Um, just different things here and there that they weren't really able to get into a rhythm with two quarterbacks in such a limited amount of time. So I am actually more optimistic about the offense with only targeting your two best players seven times. They still were able to move the ball a couple of times and Gibby was able to get it going this week. I do think we may see a little bit more JD McKissick because he was a pivotal part out of the backfield, um, catching last year and Gibby didn't have the greatest catching out of the backfield, uh. On Sunday, so I think we may see a little bit more of that. But the defense, that defensive line, did not get any pressure. Rashawn Slater was the talk of the town. Chase Young and Montez Sweat had to be embarrassed, had to be looking to make a mark on whoever they're facing this, um, next in this Giants O-line. So we could put a ball in that game. I listened to Rob Verres' interview this morning. He said, I'm not thinking about that game anymore. We're on to New York. So, so are we. The Giants are... A team, I want to say a good team, Uh, the Denver Broncos completely (laughs) dominated them, Uh, a real elite defense, made Daniel Jones look all over the place. Uh, They scored seven points really, but they got a last touchdown with zero seconds left on the clock. Saquon Barkley, 11 carries for 26 yards, not really moving the ball, not able to do much on the offensive uh, side of the ball. The defense was all right, but, again, the Broncos aren't the most explosive uh, offense out there with Teddy Bridgewater, but they were able to move the ball on them. So, Micah, first I want to talk about what, again, like we did last week, is the biggest advantage that Washington football has over this New York Giants
1: team. I think the biggest advantage is going to have to be, it really is going to have to be, once again, and I thought this would happen last week, but it's going to have to be the D-line. I won't say the front seven anymore. I have no faith in the linebackers as long as John Bostick's out there. But I do think that the D-line is going to have to play with their hair on fire, man. Um, And I do, you know, single them out because they had the most lacking performance. I mean, yes, there were plays made. Um, John Allen made a a play here and there. Montez Sweat got in and made a play. But as a whole, that D-line was a non-factor. And I would expect... um, you know, if the Broncos were able to get tons of pressure and fluster Daniel Jones, I-, I do believe that the Washington football team can do the exact same thing. And I think there's a formula here to beating the Giants when we have to play them again. It's to throw off Daniel Jones in his rhythm. Um, One of the biggest things, and especially for this game, is going to be Saquon Barkley not being at full strength because... If you just played on Sunday, there's no way you're going to be able to get back to full strength on two, um, for a Thursday game. And his 10 for 26, yes, that's part line play. But I also think that's part him just warming up into that. Um, also, the Broncos just, they called a, a great game over there. I mean, they figured out exactly what they needed to do to beat the Giants and executed their plan perfectly. And I think it's going to take a little bit for watching the football team and do the exact same thing. Assignment perfect is something they're going to have to be. And I think the D-line causing, uh, excuse me causing pressure, wreaking havoc, is going to bring you some of the same results that you've seen against the Broncos. So I do have them having to have the most, uh, the biggest advantage because, I mean, look, this Giants O-line, you know, there's nothing really to be talked about here. I mean, Andrew Thomas is really the only name, and maybe Matt Perr is really the only name that you would know possibly, but even then, these guys aren't world beaters. I mean, these guys are very easily beaten, as we've seen. So this is going to have to be the biggest not only, you know, t- uh, capitalizing on the biggest advantage, but it's going to have to be something you a- you absolutely dominate. The D-line is going to have to absolutely dominate the Giants' O-line because you don't want a situation. Yes, they don't have Rashawn Slater, and, and you won't—I don't think that you'll have the same lackluster performance, but you don't want to get in a situation where your D-line is absent when they don't need to be again because that's a recipe for disaster because if this D-line is supposed to be the driving force for the, not only the defense, but the energy of the entire team, and they come out flat— you might end up seeing the Washington football team 0-2, and that's the last thing any of us want to see.
0: So with the D-line, we said almost every single week that is going to be the big advantage. Obviously, it didn't come into play, and that's a main reason why they lost. I do believe, again, that the biggest advantage here is going to have to be the D-line. Like you said, that O-line is decimated. Von Miller had the Giants running back, Devontae Freeman, and the right tackle blocking each other. Like, he was making these boys look stupid out there. So, if your two premier pass horses can't get to Daniel Jones, can't um, get him uncomfortable, then you're in for a very long season because it doesn't get much easier than this. The one thing that does give me hope, Micah, is we saw Chase Young be a game wrecker against Daniel Jones last year. We saw Montez Sweat be a game wrecker. Um, That interception that Kendall Fuller had in the end zone comes back to mind, where Chase Young was literally in his face and forced him to uh, try to throw it out, not get it far enough, and Kendall Fuller was able to bring it in for the interception. So we've seen it before, and it seems like the offensive line, which was supposed to be upgraded, has actually gotten worse with retirements, players not playing up to what they were expected to. So I'm actually excited to see what this D-line can do. And knowing the person that, not knowing, but guessing how Chase's personality is, after the week that he just had, after everybody talking about how good Rashawn Slater was, I don't think Chase is going to come out and just be like, ah, yeah, well, he got the best of me, so be it. I think he's going to come out and actually want to embarrass on national TV and say, hey, I'm just here to remind you guys who I am. Jonathan Allen, Jerome Payne can blow up the middle. Matt Ioannidis, surprisingly, he was the best pass rusher interior um, last year and the year before he got injured. But I did not hear, like, a peep from him. I don't even remember him being in the game, truly. So I'm just looking for those guys to create more pressure and see um, what that can lead to. On the flip side now, I'm like, uh, what worries you the most
1: about this game? Um, Is it Daniel Jones? Is it the running back situation? What what gives you the most pause? The biggest thing that scares me, honestly, is not even necessarily – well, it's two things. It's the ability for the Giants if the D-line doesn't get pressure – to actually pick a part of the Washington football team because of the skill matchups on the outside. I'm not necessarily worried about corner per se, even though I would like to see a better corner output. Um I don't think we'll you'll get the combination of guys that the Chargers had. But let's not act like the Giants skills aren't well the yeah, they got skill. they got guys Giants. Galladay, Sterling Shepard like Exactly. 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 This mind you, Evan Ingram's still out there I think he's, he needs I checked well. the scouting least,
0: report today. He is uh, didn't play in week one, and he was DMP's first two days of practice.
1: So it's looking so like maybe he may not pay. John Bostic was going to have, yeah, thank goodness, because John Bostic and whoever was going to try to cover him was going to have a terrible, terrible day trying to do that. But um, let me just focus on the perimeter, and I think the perimeter for both sides of the ball is something I'm really worried about here. Um, For one, as I mentioned, the Giants perimeter on the outside Very, very strong unit if Daniel Jones has a little bit of time. And like you've seen that, um, in flashes a little bit. Daniel Jones does have the ability to pass the ball well when he does have a clean pocket and he's not turning the ball over. Uh, He's really, really turnover prone, though. It's kind of crazy. But uh, the kind of flip it real real quickly, I should say, the Giants' secondary, it's a little bit scary to me just because of the range that they have. I, I do think that they have a better secondary than we do. And one of the biggest things that I think they hang their hat on is something you actually hear Ron talk about, It's the position flex. It's the fact that Logan Ryan, yes, he's a free safety, but he can come into the box. He can, he can you know, get dirty with the best of them. Jabril Peppers, he's a guy who's going to be used in a lot of ways. I mean, they have guys like Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, Adoree Jackson. Like, these are just names that kind of pop off. Josh Jackson, all these names kind of pop off, but wish you... Don't want to get into the scenario, and and we we saw this a little bit last week, where your receivers are just not getting open, and it's a situation where Taylor Heineke is going to be not really trusting the scheme or the plan to get the ball open and get the ball out quickly, it's going to be a bad day, I think, if the receivers don't get open, find ways to get open, and if you don't get your guys the ball on the perimeter, we mentioned that in the first half that Terry and Logan just really saw nothing for the most part. This can't happen. You have to pepper these guys with touches because, for one, you don't want them to get cold. I don't necessarily think they're going to get cold in a traditional sense, like they'll just start dropping the ball. But your scheme is going to have to force feed them just a little bit because, I mean, apparently Curtis Samuel makes an entire world of difference between having Adam Humphreys in there versus having Curtis Samuel is just a big, big, stark difference. I think, honestly... One thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to find ways to utilize DeAndre Carter's skill set, the speed and stuff they're going to need from the slot. I mean, just the ability just to get open in the flat, maybe run a seam bender here and there, but the ability just to be a playmaker out there, they were missing that. When they couldn't force feed the ball outside, they needed something that was a change of pace from ramming it inside with Antonio Gibson. And I'm sure, as you mentioned, J.D. McKissick will be that change of pace as well, but they're going to have to do something within the the hashes or within the numbers that's going to be able to – Add some dynamics to this offense, so that's really what I'm kind of worried about is just the perimeter play on both sides of the ball. If the perimeter players don't really perform as well as they should, it's going to be once again a long day just because the Giants have the ability to play the perimeter game very, very well right now. Um, their interior needs a little bit of help, and once uh Saquon gets healthy and stuff like that, I- I'm sure with truly healthy, I'm sure that it'll you know work its way up and-, and get better. But the perimeter right now is really, really dangerous on both sides of the ball, so. Once again, Washington's going to have to really put their foot down and, and really get this perimeter game involved and be tight on that side um, on the edges of the field because if not, long day, man. And I'm kind of really watching.
0: Damn, you took both of mine, actually. But I do want to <laughs> go to what you said last with the number two receivers. who are, who like Who's going to be that? Who's going to take up what Curtis was supposed to be? It's supposed to be a committee, but man. That committee fell way short of expectations um in week one. Deami Brown, who I still think is gonna be very good with the Washington football team. Again, rookie first game, negative two yards. That's not gonna get it done. Like having negative yards is it's terrible. Um Cam Sims one reception for seventeen yards. Only targeted once, but still, Adam Humphreys, two for ten. And those are your guys that replaced uh, Curtis Samuel. So, what worries me the most is they're going to key in on Logan Thomas, Terry McLaurin, and Antonio Gibson just like last year. And it's going to be tough. You're not going to get any production from anybody else. If you don't have a situation where Terry is able to exploit and break a big play, who's doing that for you? Is Yami going to do that for you? Is Cam Sims? So, Taylor's always looking for a big play. He's always looking down the field. Who's going to be able to get him? open down the field that giant secondary is very real it's the best part of their teams the best part of their um defense terry said it already that hard, one of his hardest players to play um um uh, he's i mean terry said that um the Giants secondary and that giants team is just very hard to play because they're so well coached on that back end so i think for them they just have to be able to find who's going to be that number two guy Give them looks. Just give him a bunch of looks, just to get some pressure off of Terry. Terry doesn't need more looks, and obviously, I, it's weird because they only he only got four. So it's like I don't know what else they have to do, but like get Terry eight, nine, ten looks. Like look at what happened with the Raiders. Darren Waller got nineteen looks. Just give your best player the most amount of targets. Just keep going at him because they're going to make plays. So that's what worries me. And then the linebackers. It's just so disgusting because I saw this all offseason. I talked about this so many times, and still nothing was done. Like you said, thank God Evan Ingram is probably not playing, but it doesn't matter. Whoever the backup tight end is going to be is going to cook John Bostic or Holcomb or Jamin Day. Like, at this point, I'm just hoping that the pass rush is able to get there quick enough because if Daniel Jones has time in the pocket and can carve up the defense, he will. No matter how good the secondary is going to be or how sticky they may be, if you get three and a half seconds, it's going to be somebody open in the middle of the field because the linebackers have just gotten to a point where they are so bad. They were bad last year, and like I said in our last podcast, they were bad last year, and the only switch you made was bringing in a rookie who will be good, but not going to be good for a couple of games. It's going to take him a while to get his feet wet. So there was no upgrade, really, on that linebacking core. We'll see what happens. I'm cautiously optimistic because I still believe this Washington football team can be good. But this game is has a lot of pressure. Quick question before we get into final game
1: predictions here. Do you see this as a must win? Absolutely. Not only this is a must win, but this is a... Man, okay, let me not say it. Let me not go that far. But this is definitely a must win. Just because of... I mean, I, I mentioned it. I even mentioned it earlier. This... This 0-2 scenario that could happen, 0-2 going into a really, really, really starting the tough part of your schedule, that's so not ideal to start your season. Just because, I mean, and I mentioned it I mentioned it over text earlier when we were talking, man, from here on out until that, that midseason stretch where they face basically the best quarterbacks in the league, they have to be perfect, pretty much. You might drop one more game or so, but outside of that, you really have to play great, football really early in the season and that's hard for teams that haven't necessarily found their identity yet but this is a game you find your identity you prove a point in a divisional matchup in prime time you show really everybody that's watching because you'll get a little bit more of a, um, a look from the national media here you have to really just show that you're about your business this is an early early test for them and yes it's the Giants but the Giants are the perfect team to beat them in this scenario and then all your whatever momentum you're building is completely washed away the energy is flat and now you're going into a situation where you might end up 0 and three and you might end up in a four game stretch going one and one and three or something like that and that's so not good for what this team has to be if they want to win a division and be a team that's in the playoffs and a legitimate contender in the playoffs they can't start out 0 and two because it might fester and it might just get worse and worse
0: if you start out 0-2, you're starting out 0-3. Because next week, it's the Buffalo Bills. And as as optimistic as I am and as bad as the Bills looked in week one, going up to Buffalo, I don't think we're beating the Buffalo Bills,
1: man. So nah, that's an no.
0: 0-3 start is a kiss of death. You're done for the season. It's wrap it up. Yeah, we started 1-5 and last year, and we won the division at 7-9. and That's not happening again. Just look at the Cowboys. Just look at the Eagles. And if the Giants beat us, just look at the Giants. So I do believe this is a must win. And not only, like you said, a must win, I feel like this is a must dominate game. If you really are that type of defense, you have to dominate this offensive line just the way Von Miller and that defense was able to do it. So it's going to be something that Ron, I know he has a lot of pressure already and He has to be able to get the guys ready in a quick turnaround after a terrible game. But this is what you get paid the big bucks for. Got to do it. Got to get them in the right position. Final prediction time. Micah, score. What do you think happens in the game?
1: I think Washington actually does answer the call that they need to. I think they dominate. I think it's a situation where the Giants might score twice. Um, But I think Washington actually puts up 28-plus points. Um, Not because the offense is explosive, just because they're playing a dominant brand of football. And when you play a dominant brand of football... Scores just happen, naturally. Who knows how they happen, but they just happen. So I have this going 28-14, to 14 actually. Um, it's not indicative of the Giants being necessarily terrible or Washington being a really great team, but I think Washington proves to themselves that they're supposed to be here. They're supposed to be the competitive, great defense that they're supposed to be. I think Taylor Heineke, um, I don't think he's going to have an amazing game. I don't necessarily see him messing it up and losing the game either. He's going to be as good as the guys around him, and I think you're going to get better um Better and more consistent efforts and more consistent play calling for the guys on the perimeter like Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas. And I think a third or a second receiver might emerge here. And I'm just, I don't want to put my, uh, you know, all my cards on one basket, all my eggs on one basket, I should say. But I think a second receiver is going to emerge here. There's going to be somebody you can kind of lean on going forward. Who it's going to be, I don't know. I don't know what Scott Turner has cooked up. But something has to give. So I have 28-14. And I have this defense really showing that they're legit.
0: So I like the way that I've been doing a crazy prediction. Last week it was John Bates. Um, that didn't turn out into be anything. But that's cool. Um, so I want to start with Washington winning complete utter domination, 31-10. to 10. After the 31-10, to 10, I think that Daniel Jones is going to have two fumbles. Chase Young is going to recover one. He's going to force and recover one. And then Montez Sweat will also force and recover one. I think we have two fumbles and one interception. And we get a QB switch in the third quarter, third or fourth quarter, where they bring in Colt McCoy. So, last week, my crazy prediction was John Bates will score a touchdown. This week, it's going to be Daniel Jones, two fumbles, a pick. And Colt McCoy, former Washington Redskins legend now, We'll be coming into quarterback uh, the New York Giants because Daniel Jones is getting booed off. Um, getting booed off. Well, not booed for us, but his sideline is pulling him off the field because he's been so bad. So that's my crazy prediction. We'll have a podcast again Thursday night. And then, obviously, we're going to take a pretty long break just because we did have such a quick turnaround and we are giving multiple episodes here. We may do something on Sunday, maybe touch on the other games, maybe talk about Washington football after um, a couple of watches. But... It's exciting. First two weeks, we're getting two games in seven days. Uh, two games in five days. Who isn't excited about that? So we'll be back again Thursday night, same time, same podcast feed. Follow us on our twitters at dsomike seventy four and at the micah. And we'll see you on the next episode. Peace, peace.